If you or a family member are in need of legal assistance and representation for an immigration case, the following local nonprofits can assist you. Catholic Charities of Southern Nevada, their phone number is 702-383-8387. The UNLV Immigration Clinic, their phone number is 702-895-2080. Lastly, Legal Aid of Southern Nevada, their pro bono project's phone number is 702 702- 386 all right. Well, hello, everyone. This is another edition of Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob. I'm here with... Giddy up, it's Allison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we've been having some really uh, not uh, heartwarming discussions before the show today, but mm-hmm. we do have a wonderful guest with us today. Um, yes. If you'd love to introduce yourself. Oh, <laughs> uh, my name is Astrid Silva. I'm uh, the founder and executive director of Dream Big Nevada. Excellent. All right. Welcome on. Yeah. Thank thank you you so much for for coming on. So we've got a variety of questions for you, but um, uh, I'm going to kind of go back in time. So so think about, you know, where maybe you were, uh, you know, a few years ago. But I'm really curious, um, you know, we know you in the community as as being involved in a lot of different things. Um, But I'm really curious, like, what was it that got you involved in the community? Like, what was, was there a catalyst moment or was there something that really spurred you to kind of get involved? And also, like, how long have you been here in the Las Vegas community? So I got to Las Vegas in 1993, August of 1993. So I'm coming up on my anniversary. I don't know when, but sometime in August. Excellent. Before school started, I was five. Um, So I started elementary school here in in Nevada, and that's kind of been here a very long time now. I, I can't do math, but 25 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> I hope there's a plaque. Um, <laughs> no, um, so I got here when I was five, and um, I think for me, a lot of like the getting involved and stuff came from being little. Um, when I was little, I was always you know watching TV shows, and it was kind of my way of learning how to be an American was through TV, because... Mm-hmm. I wasn't technically an American um, because, you know, at home I spoke Spanish and, um, you know, I remember watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and that was one of the shows that I used to love watching when I was like five and six because um, I felt, you know, I didn't understand the language so I thought it was so expressive and, you know, I could kind of feel like I knew what they were saying. Um, and so I always remember that they were always, uh, there's an episode when like they run for office. I think Uncle Phil runs for office and like I thought that was so cool Um, and then in other, you know, other shows and, you know, there was always people getting involved. And, um, when I was little, I really wanted to help immigrants because I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, it sucks for them. Um, I don't think I realized that I was one of them until, Mm -hmm. until I I started getting a little bit older. And, you know, one day I remember my dad told me, he's like, he's like, we are them. Um, I was like eight or nine by then. So, um, but the moment that actually made me get involved, involved in, in, in kind of this political sphere, uh, was in 2009 uh, because I graduated high school. I went to ATEC, Maverick, 2006. Um, and so I graduated high school and there was no resources. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of was like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, 
I don't know, hang out at home. I didn't know what I was going to do because my one goal in life was to go to college. Like that's literally what I had been raised for. Uh, my parents were very big on going to college and it just didn't happen. So, um, because I didn't have a social security number, not because I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I kind of withdrew all my friends started joining sororities and fraternities. And I was like, you know, at home just kind of not again, not doing anything. And in 2009, um, I finally was like, no, like I'm going to get back involved in clubs and all this. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to CSN. Thanks to my teachers, my high school teachers who kind of banded together and you know i don't even know how but they they signed me up for csn um nice. which you know everybody used to make fun and was like oh you're going to community college i was like oh my gosh i'm going to college yeah. like i don't care where i'm going but i'm going to college i get to buy expensive textbooks and do all the fun stuff um and so once i got in uh i went to an event 2009 and um they said you know uh it was a hispanic student union at CSN and it was just kind of cool and I met people that spoke Spanish and I was like okay like this is kind of like my people mm-hmm. um and then one like it was shortly after I started going there they were like hey we're gonna go to a Harry Reid event and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> Harry Reid that's a Senate majority leader um and I I, w- I grew up one of the ways that my dad got me to read very quickly um, because again, I didn't understand the language when I got here mm. was with the newspaper. He would okay. read it to me. And so I always had the newspaper. Um, you know, my parents were really big on reading. Um, so I was like, Harry reads always in the newspaper. How exciting, <laughs> right? He seems right. like a big shot. Um, I know. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I get to go meet him. So I went to the event and, uh, when I walked into the event after a bunch of mishaps, um, I walked into the event and he said, you know, he said, dreamers are, are, American and everything but a piece of paper and I was like what had you heard that term no No. nope I had heard about immigration reform Mm -hmm. and you know in Spanish but I had never said heard a white person say it Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my gosh I was like what is he talking about I literally like I remember walking in and all the balloons were there and you know it was a political rally and um and I remember him like his voice saying they're American, everything but a piece of paper. And I was like, oh my God, there's more of me? Because I didn't right. really know anybody else that was in that position. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a few friends, but, you know, it wasn't like it is now where you sit there and talk about it. It was just like, mm-hmm. hey, like head nod. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Until it comes time to like apply to college or get a license, right? Right. Yeah. But even then, you kind of don't talk about it because mm-hmm. your parents have told you like, you know, no le digas a nadie and don't tell anybody. Just shh. Right. Um, and so... Um, he, I heard him say that and I was like, who is this? Like, I mean, I knew who he was, but I was like, who is this to me? Like he just became like Gandalf. Um, and so, yeah, like I was like, oh my gosh. Um, like, right. Like he just threw off the gray robe. Um, and it was amazing. And I started crying. Like I seriously started and I'm not even like a crier. Like I'm really not. Um, and I just started crying. I was like, oh my God. I was like, my mom was with me with me. I was like, he's talking about us. That's me. And, um, you know, I went up to him. Uh, one of the staff members was like, look at this weirdo crying, like take her up there for some reason. (laughs) And they took me up there and, um, you know, I talked to him and I said, I think I'm a dreamer. Mm. I didn't know I was, I was like, but I think I am. And I just remember all these like, you know, kids on stage with him. And I was like, oh my gosh, are all these people dreamers? That's amazing. Um, and he said, okay. He said, uh, so you're a dreamer. What do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to college. 
Mm. And he said, all right. He said, well, if you want to work hard for it, he said, we'll be partners. And I said, okay, I'm down. So yeah. the next day I showed up to his uh, campaign office mm. and I started volunteering. And that was, that was the end of that. Wow. So it was a, it was a very big moment. And you know, the, the, the actual catalyst and like me getting angry involved, that mm. was just like, oh my God, I'm in right. like, and I think that's why I'm so attached to the term dreamer. Because it finally made mm. me feel like it belonged to to something. Yeah. Um. But uh, the final, like the real moment, like the angry moment where I was like, "F all this, I'm getting involved because this isn't fair." Mm-hmm. Um. Was about so I met him in April of 2009, and in June of 2009, uh, my grandmother passed away in in Mexico, and it was really hard because her and I were very close. She would always come and then go back and she would travel back and forth to see me and my brother because we were her only grandkids that were here. Mm-hmm. And we had a very close relationship and uh, that was just a really hard moment because, you know, I, I understood that I couldn't get a license. I understood I couldn't get scholarships. So I was like, whatever, it's, I get it. I'm not an American, so I don't deserve these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when, when my grandmother got sick and I said, well, I just want to go see her. Um, that was kind of where I was like, no, that's not fair because... This isn't a piece of paper. You can't stop somebody from seeing somebody that they love. Right. Um, and so that was like, that was when I got really, really angry. Um, to be clear, if you would have left the country, you would not have been able to return. Correct. Mm-hmm. If I left the country, if, and my, if my dad left the country to go be with his mom, um, would not be able to get that's, back into the that's country. That's a super crappy predicament to be in. It's oh, a horrible yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible because you're literally telling people, choose, you know, to go see your dying parent or stay here and take care of your kids. Right. Um, so, you know, um, it was really difficult. And then I remember, you know, my dad talked to her and she was getting better and it was great. And, you know, she said, uh, I'm going to, I bought the ticket. So she bought a ticket to come. And mm. then uh, she passed away the next morning. Oh my goodness. And so that was horrible. And right. I just got really angry and I wrote a really upset letter. Um, I- I'm a letter writer. Mm. Um, I, I, <laughs> I grew up writing letters um, and, uh, you know, journals and diaries. And um, I'm still think it's weird that kids don't learn cursive anymore. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I wrote a really angry letter. I was like, I don't know who the hell I'm going to give this letter to. But I'm just writing because that was just how I got things out. Like, I just, you know, like it, it was tough because, mm-hmm. like I said, like I'm, I, I, I bottle things up and so I didn't know what to do with it and uh um I wrote the letter and then I said I don't even know who I'm gonna give it to like it just feels like an angry and I talked about how unfair it was and how I honestly I can't remember everything about it just that it was horrible Mm. um it was a horrible feeling that I had of just like not being able to do something um and then a few hours later after I wrote the letter and I was all mad and you know I, I I mean it was my morning right um and then they called me from the, the office of Senator Reed and they were like, hey, he's having a campaign event. Do you want to volunteer? And I was like, oh, I'm going to give my letter to Senator Reed. <laughs> and so um, I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to give it to him. And yeah, the event was two weeks later and it happened to be the day when my grandma had said she bought the ticket. Oh. So I was like, see, it's a sign. I'm a mm-hmm. signs. Okay. I was like, it's a sign. Um, so I remember that the lady that was there was like, don't, don't give them letters. Like 
That's because right. It was like folded up like the high school letters. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the best kind. Like he was my home girl. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, and I, you know, I filled this letter up and she's like, no, 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 you know, Senator doesn't get letters like, you know, and I was like, but why not? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, all right, you're right. I'm not going to give the Senator a letter because that's weird. And then, um, no, um, I saw him getting into the elevator and I was the elevator pusher. That was my volunteer position. Oh, nice. It was really important. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was like, go up to the, you know, whatever floor, I think it was like fifth floor. Um, and he got in and I was like, oh, I was like, can I give you this? And I, he took it and put it in his pocket. And I was like, oh, like, he'll probably, like, wash it. Or, like, I don't know, send mm-hmm. his, you know, send his suit to the dry cleaner or something. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, well, it's out of me, right? Like, all those bad feelings are gone. That yeah. was kind of, like, my... Um, cathartic moment. Right. It was, you know, it was that's what it was for me. And then a few, like, I want to say, like, 30 minutes later, um, one of the the people from his office comes down and is like... Astrid's like, the senator wants to speak to you. And I was like, oh. And then it hit me. <laughs> I just told the senator, um, the very important man, who's like the fourth most important man in the whole country, that I don't have papers. Right. And I wrote about it. And I was angry. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what else did I write? And I texted my mom. But it was when like you had to text like one letter at a time. So it took forever. <laughs> and so I texted my mom. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I just messed up. I was like, I... I told this guy, I was like, we're going to have to move. Like, we're going to have to figure, like, all this out. And I was like, I was like, what did you do? Like, that kind of, like, the, the catharticism turned into, like, panic. Oh, um, Yeah, I know. Yeah, now that I look back, yeah. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? But I was 21. Um, right. And you and you believed in the system. <laughs> oh, right, right. No, I really believed in the system. Um, sometimes I still do. Um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, like, now I think back, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and my mom was like, oh my gosh, right? But like in Spanish, she's like, ¿Estás haciendo? And I was like, I don't know, I messed up. Um, and she, uh, you know, well, she didn't say anything because probably took her forever to text back, but um, SMS. <laughs> um, but I, I just panicked. I honestly mm-hmm. panicked because then I had to ride the elevator up and I was like, oh, I was like, I should just leave. Like, I don't know. And I got up there and it was a meeting and I'll always remember it because it was a meeting of like important Latino leaders. Mm-hmm. And oh, so I was okay. like, oh, I saw them in El Tiempo. I saw them in like these fancy newspapers, right? Because mm-hmm. like to me, they were like, I mean, they still are, but you know, 2009, there wasn't a lot of elected Latino officials in Nevada. Right. So like these were pretty important people in, in, in my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and he stood me in front of all of them and I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? And uh, I just, uh, you know, he told me, he said, tell them, tell them what happened to your grandma. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what? And like, I still get emotional about it nine years later, like that my grandma passed away. And mm-hmm. like, imagine then it had been like three weeks, two oh, weeks. And I was like, what's happening? Um, and it was really, really rough because, you know, I was like, he actually read... The first part is he actually read my letter. Right. And that was the, you know, that was the, like, oops. Because I didn't mm. think he was going to... Honestly, I did not think he was going to read it. I didn't. Who reads Who reads little folded up notes? Like, God. People that like stalkers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, so he... Send he, Allison your folded up notes. <laughs> yeah, no, don't please don't. She loves them. <laughs> but from me to you. For your eyes only. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, with a four, number four. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, that was... And he said, he said, tell him what happened to your grandma. And I said, oh, 
well, my grandma died and I didn't get to go see her. And he turned to all of them. So I don't know what the hell they were talking about. But it must have been something like, because he just turned to them and he said, see? He said, this is what it's about. He said, not the politics, not the bickering, not the voting. He said, it's about people like her who didn't get to see their grandmothers die. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't know what wow. happened before I got there, but it was just like one of those like dad moments, like, see? And yeah. I was like, oh man. Um, so I never found out what happened, but, um, yeah, that was, and ever since then I was like, oh crap, like he listened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then him and I started exchanging letters and I started telling him about all my random adventures, Mm -hmm. um, which just was really my bus diaries hashtag. Um, (laughs) and I would say like, and now I think back and I'm like, seriously, he was reading these letters. Because he, he would write back or, you know, get in contact with me to say, you know, did you did you end up making it to school that day? Because I'd be like, oh, the bus right. broke down. And now I look back, I'm like, this is like, seriously, again, one of the most important men in the country. In right. the history of Nevada, he's the most important right. man. Mm-hmm. And he's asking me if I made it to my bus stop because I wrote him about that. And I would write to him and I would say, you know, today this is what didn't happen or... Um, but it was the things that I was living through and I, you know, to me, they were important and I look like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, Jesus. But you know, I, I think that's kind of how he, you know, was like, Oh, she's just a normal, she's weird, but she's normal. <laughs> um, and, and right. those were my concerns, but those were the things that was affecting yeah. me because I didn't have papers. We do want to talk about uh, DACA, right? Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that program? Yes. So Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA, um, is the program that President Obama did through an executive order on June 15, 2012 um, in the Rose Garden. And it was a beautiful moment. Um, it It's kind of given me my life now. Um, it, it, it is an executive order. Um, so... Uh, President Obama did it because Congress just wasn't working on mm-hmm. on anything. Uh, so it just turned 17. So literally the DREAM Act, if it was a person, it could vote before I can. Because um, it's almost been wow. 18 years um, since the bill was first introduced, again, bipartisan. So when President Obama did it in 2012, it was because by then it had been 11 years since nothing had. That sounds really long now that you think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it by then it had been 11 years. Um and so, you know, there was just something that needed to be done to to kind of give us this this figuring something out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what DACA does is um, it's not permanent, first of all. Um, it is not a pathway to citizenship. I cannot become a citizen through DACA. Um, there's some exceptions, but no. Um, most people don't qualify for those exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it basically means that I get a work permit for two years that costs me $495 every two years. Well, at first it was $465 and then they hacked the price up. So, um, yeah. So for that price every two years, um, I have to do a background check. I have to get my fingerprints um, checked by a bunch of agencies. Um, I have to make sure that I'm out of trouble, not doing anything that would be against what the government um you know, whatever crimes or anything. Um, and I just have to prove that I'm being a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most important thing, which I, I, I really hope that people understand is that DACA literally says deferred, which means that at the moment I'm not a priority. I'm a deferred priority. Deferring, right. uh, deportation. Deportation. Correct. Right. Um, so when people are like, Oh, you have DACA. I'm like, 
but it literally says deferred. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it just means I'm not at the top of the list for deportation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that was in 2012 when DACA was only supposed to be a holdover. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a tiny Band-Aid on a broken leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that was the program that President Obama announced, and it completely changed my life. It um, meant that I was able to get a driver's license, mm-hmm. which I had mm-hmm. never. I was 26. Yeah, 26. Um, and I had never driven because mm-hmm. um, I was terrified because I was like, if, you know, if the cops pull me over, I'm done. Right. Um, and I had, you know, been in, been a college student that whole time because the belief, obviously, now there's a lot of misinformation. But imagine in 2012 when you couldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a lot of misinformation that, like, if you had graduated, you weren't going to qualify because you had to be a student. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was just trying to be, like, an eternal student until it would happen. Right. Um, so I spent six years in uh, CSN because I was like, I'm just going to hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was that was that was a good moment. It was, it was wow. a good moment for a while. But you were able to go to school and yes. you became active in the community yes. trying to push for a comprehensive immigration reform. Correct. Um, so one of the things about DACA um, was that when it happened, it kind of made me stop. Right. Like it's always self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No matter what we say, we're looking out for other people. I think ultimately it's like if I'm OK, you know, it's the, what's it called? Like when you're on the plane where they tell you to put on your mask and then the other oh, right. person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Take care of yourself and then the right. others. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us were scrambling to figure out what was happening with us that you kind of, you know, it's hard to look out for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, although it was a, it was something I cared about, but mm-hmm. I was like, how am I going to take care of somebody if I'm, you know, I'm afraid of going to, to the grocery store and being deported. Mm-hmm. So when DACA happened, what really did was that I felt okay, and I was like, all right, now I can focus on my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the biggest, honestly, that was the biggest thing that DACA did. It made us all less fearful for ourselves, mm-hmm. so then we were able to engage in a lot more conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will say, before 2008, before President Obama was elected, the fear was like, super big i remember mm-hmm. my parents being like you're not going to so-and-so place because there's too many too many of us mm-hmm. um and it was after 2008 when you know president obama took away some of the raids um some of the raid uh wording mm-hmm. there was raid wording um that's when it kind of was like all right you felt free mm-hmm. um now whether it was because of him or because we felt more more okay right we're like yeah he's not gonna deport us um it it just changed the way you feel much like it is now where now people are terrified again um but yeah in 2012 it was crazy because you know you you started to get like you felt like you comfortable or you belong comfortable but you belonged Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like all right i'm gonna stay here um and so i think that was a really um, it was wonderful because I remember, so August 15th is when they opened up the applications. Mm-hmm. So that gave us three months to, to work on, on figuring out what the hell we were mm-hmm. going to do. And I remember my friend Blanca Rafa and I, we, we drove up to, uh, Winnemucca and Elko. Oh, I've wow. heard this story. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> cause you could drive. Well, no, 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 actually no. Oh. <laughs> um, well, 
one of us had a license. Um, and so we drove up there and because we wanted to help, right? right? Because we were like in Vegas, everybody's sharing graphics and everybody's sharing information. But mm-hmm. like we were like, Elko and Winnemucca don't have anybody to share this stuff with them. So we were crazy and we rented a car and we drove up to Elko and Winnemucca. And it was weird because like you met dreamers in Elko and Winnemucca and it's like, we're everywhere. Wow. Like it was finally like people were not afraid to come out. Yeah. Because they were like, we're here. Where do we sign up? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was one of like the really cool things about about DACA that people I had friends that I had known forever that I had like shared about like, oh, I'm undocumented and it's horrible. And they were like, oh, that sucks. And they're like, hey, how do I sign up? And I'm like, wait, mm. jerk, like yeah. you let right. me just kind of complain about it. Um, but at the same time, I was like, all right, but here's how you sign up. And right. so it was it was it was a wonderful time. Like, you know, I reminisce about it now because now that we're doing all these renewal fairs mm-hmm. and we're kind of like, hurry up and send it in, hurry up and send it in. That's how we were about DACA then. But it was so much hope. Right. Like you could just feel the excitement of people saying, you know, what am I going to do when the card gets here? Like, I remember thinking, um, we, you know, we had a group conversation. We're like, what are you going to do when you get your social security number? And you're like, I hope it has this number, right? Like people's favorite mm-hmm. numbers. Like, I hope it has this number. Like who the hell sits around going, oh, I hope I get a social security number with my favorite number. Because mm-hmm. for people that have it, they don't, they don't understand what it means to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, those were like yeah. amazing times. So uh, bring us up to speed what's going on currently at this moment. There's a lot of lawsuits um, uh, regarding DACA. Can you explain some of those? What's going on? There's a a lot going on. Um, (laughs) A lot. And it's really confusing. Um, So September 5th, 2017, uh, the Trump administration and and obviously Trump um, decided that DACA would no longer be... uh, be in place for us um again it was an executive order so Mm -hmm. i mean he can do that Mm -hmm. um it's just really really horrible for those of us that have it so they decided that by september 5th they were going to tell us okay we're going to ruin it you're not gonna it's just done basically you have a month for the people that could still renew Mm -hmm. you have a month to renew and then it's gone um thankfully a lot of people you know uh, banded together and have started lawsuits mm-hmm. um you know we have one of our one of my friends here from nevada um an amazing dreamer um norma she's in california she lives in california now because she's going to uh, um she's going to uh, get her uh, i'm gonna say it wrong but i think she's getting her phd um she is yeah she is okay yeah. um and she's gonna become like the most amazing psychologist to help us all um but she's in a lawsuit to make sure that DACA isn't taken away. Mm-hmm. But that's a lawsuit in California. And then there's a lawsuit in D.C. And then there's a NAACP lawsuit. And then there's... So there's seriously a bunch of lawsuits happening. And that, then... That, uh, the NAACP one is very interesting because I believe some tech companies uh, are, like, signed on as, like, an amicus brief, right? I yes. think, like, Microsoft or Apple or something. That's really... And some unions, correct? Yeah, there's uh-huh. just... Honestly, I can't even... You know, I'm affected by this, and sometimes I'm like, I don't even know which lawsuit we're on anymore. But that's mm. the thing. Um, it affects everybody. But it does affect everybody because now you have 800,000 people that have this program. Mm-hmm. 800,000 people are affected by DACA, 
we're working, we're teachers. Right. Um, you know, here in, in the Clark County School District, uh, there's a lot of DACA teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, you know, there are literally people that are functioning and everything. Um, there's a few jobs we can't do because of the, the government reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of industries now have DACA recipients. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so this literally affects everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the lawsuits are crazy. And then there's a one lawsuit, which is a bunch of states um, that's suing, saying DACA's not good because we're taking jobs from uh, white Texans. Um, and so that's the lawsuit we're hearing right now. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, yeah. Um, because they're saying that, you know, dreamers are taking the jobs of Texans and they should have the same opportunities we have. And that if we weren't taking their jobs, they could have those jobs. That's literally what the lawsuit is about. Um, so that was a lawsuit that today was supposed to be decided. So on August 8th, um, oh, okay. the lawsuit wow. was supposed to be decided. And then the judge was like, you know what? I need another brief. And so now it's Monday. Oh, Um, wow. So we don't, we honestly don't know what's going to happen. We had a lawsuit a few weeks ago, um, August, July 23rd. I'm sorry. July 23rd, we were going to hear again. um, And that was pushed back. So now the August 3rd hearing. So see, it's a lot of court dates. So August 3rd, it got pushed back to August 23rd and the August 8th is now pushed to whatever Monday is. Um, and these are all different lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Every single one is a different lawsuit. Um, but the thing is several of them have already been decided. Um, like the DC, uh, circuit court, they've already said taking DACA away was cruel and unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the second time. So now we're waiting on that court date for August 23rd, but this is the second time they're going to say the same thing. Right. Um, and so, you know, in the courts we're doing fairly well, but uh, literally the one that we're waiting for that was today, we're now waiting for Monday. That one could put a halt to renewals. So the lawsuit oh, that I mentioned okay. that Norma was in, in January, they decided to uphold it. And so then that meant that people could start renewing. And so, see, this is where all the confusion comes from because we spent months in October telling people you can't renew anymore. And then in mm-hmm. January, we said, just kidding, you can renew because this court said it. Um, and then, you know, in July, we said, hold on, you might apply for the first time, but you might. Um, and then now we're saying you need to renew before this court hearing is heard. Oh gosh. Um, and, and the thing is that we were used to DACA dates, which was, um, 150 days before your card expires is when mm-hmm. you're supposed to send it in for renewal. Mm-hmm. But now we're telling people, nah, just send it in. Just send it Whatever. in. Whatever. Just right. figure it out and send it in. So you're having all these people that are like, but it's not 150 days. Because our mind, you know, you we're, right. we're creatures of habit. Our mind's mm-hmm. like 150 days before. So now we're having all these people that are coming and saying, I didn't know. And I'm like, no, literally nobody knew and people Jeez. not everybody has the money so you, we were talking there's a there are a couple scholarships right that people can uh, well, well how much does it cost I mean I'm, I'm really curious like what does what does that renewal what does that renewal cost and then how can people get assistance with that um, so the renewal fee is four hundred and ninety five dollars okay um, and then you have to send in two passport photos which I didn't realize were we're kind of expensive now. Yeah, um, they're like fifteen bucks. Now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mine were twenty, so mm-hmm. I got to go to your place. Um, so yeah, so twenty bucks, mm-hmm. and then shipping. Um, like right now, we're telling people to FedEx them overnight because right. they have to get there super fast. Yeah. So that's a good, good, good chunk there. Um, if you have to go see a lawyer, um, 
that's another amount, depending on which lawyer you go see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few organizations that are, are helping us out, nonprofits that are um, doing renewals that are BIA accredited, which is Board of Immigration Appeals. Um, so it just depends um, on who you're going to for the outside help. Right. But the base is 495 um, so now people are being told, hey, remember the 150 days you had to save up the, well, not to save up, but to send it in. And you know how you thought it was in May next year and now it's tomorrow. So people Jeez. are like, where do I get $495, right? Because the majority of these are students. They're people with families, right. right? They're normal people. This isn't like, you know, everybody imagines that we're all like college kids who are like couch surfing or living with our parents. Like, no, like at this point, like I said, I'm 30, Right. Um, you know, I'm not 17. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, get into college anymore. I, I'm grown. Um, and so a lot of these people have families, they have mortgages, they have cars, um, you know, things that were opened up to us because of our social security. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying, Hey, by the way, 500 bucks, you need it tomorrow. Right. Um, so yeah, so organizations are getting together. We're partnering, uh, Dream Big Nevada is partnering with La Alianza Comunitaria Transnacional, mm-hmm. uh, which is a local uh, nonprofit that is, again, BIA accredited. Um, and they do the... They do the actual service of filling out the the form. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're we're working with them on scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we were we had an amazing supporter, um, the Beam family. Three weeks ago, they threw a fundraiser because we knew we were gonna kind of freak out, mm-hmm. but we just didn't know when. Yeah. So we knew the the panic was gonna hit, just not exactly when Mm -hmm. um and so we had a a trivia night fundraiser which Mm -hmm. was tons of fun and we fundraised enough for two scholarships so that's where our two scholarships came from so we just kind of threw them in the pot with all the other ones um Mm -hmm. because again it's difficult um and so you know we're still fundraising to try and pay for some more of the and especially now that again we're in uncertainty (laughs) until monday Mm -hmm. but that means that you can send more because they're postmarked. So mm-hmm. we're encouraging right. people to continue sending them in. Okay. Um, and, and then hopefully on Monday, we'll just be told, oh, now we're going to, right? And then again and yeah. again. Right. Because in the uncertainty of not knowing what's going to happen, you kind of still have like a, let's keep sending. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, you know, I don't know. You're, you're stuck in a weird limbo of wanting the, the clock. wanting the court to kind of decide, but then also saying no, because then we have more time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it is a costly process. So something that I'd like to note, actually, like I always see a lot of odious comments on social media. People argue, you know, why don't these people have the money? Well, a lot of things, right? But they're like, oh, they should be responsible, yada, yada. Why are they buying houses? Why are they, you know, purchasing cars? You know, if this is temporary, why are you trying to make this your permanent home? And it's important to let the public know that immigration law is always changing and this program was issued in, in a temporary fashion. But the idea, the hopes of, uh, of the dreamers and the 11 million undocumented people in this country is that down the line there is some sort of comprehensive immigration reform. And yeah, this is temporary, but I'm, I want to settle here. I, these are my roots. And why wouldn't I invest in my community? I have children here. Some of those dreamers, you know, their parents. So they, their life is here. So why wouldn't they? Why don't they have a right to that? Right. Again, I mean, I've lived here 26 years. I've never lived anywhere else after mm-hmm. after I got here to, to uh, when I was four, when I arrived in the country. Um, so I've never lived anywhere else. I literally, uh, like, 
this is the only thing I know. So why mm. wouldn't I buy my car here? Why wouldn't I buy, you know, my house here? And when people say, oh, well, you know, you should do it the right way or, oh, you know, uh, my kid doesn't have a free college tuition and the dreamers do. And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, we're not getting anything just for funsies. We're not, you know, we're not giving giving anything that, that you know, hasn't been really worked for mm-hmm. um because yeah. a lot of people you know again the whole lawsuit is based on us taking people's jobs mm-hmm. like that's what Gosh. they're saying when it's like but then you look back and you know in california avocados are dying on the on the floor because nobody's picking them mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in georgia peaches are are going to to waste because there's not enough people picking them and and that's not to say that right like the only jobs we do are agricultural but it's like literally you're having crops dying mm-hmm. because there's nobody to fill those jobs. Immigrants are what keep this country young. Immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, right now I, 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 you know, my dad, my dad's a landscaper and it's like, you can't find a good landscaping company right now because people are leaving their jobs out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying they're not good. It's just, there's not enough of them. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, the social security, uh, people don't realize that again, people like my dad, people like me, we're paying into social security. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and people say, Oh, you don't pay taxes. And I'm like, believe me, <laughs> I pay a lot of taxes. Right. You know, I pay more than most people. Cause again, I'm young, I'm single. Um, you know, so no, I pay a lot of taxes. And that's what's but, infuriating. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. that's what's infuriating yeah. about the decision, uh, what they announced, what the administration wants to do with the naturalization cases, right? They, mm-hmm. they don't want to grant citizenship to people that receive public benefits. And it's like, but they have been paying into the system. They have been paying taxes. Right, right. I most certainly pay into, into taxes. Um, and, and, you know, people are like, no, immigrants don't. Well, not immigrants. You know, they call us all the other nasty things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, every single day, I'm paying sales taxes. I'm paying all kinds of taxes, you know. Uh, obviously Nevada we don't have a state tax but I'm paying all kinds of taxes all the time um people are like oh they shouldn't be able to use firefighters and I'm like what okay oh I've not heard that yeah what are you supposed to do Astrid yeah no I'm supposed to just carry a bucket around um but no like people say we shouldn't be able you know we shouldn't be able to go to school and it's like you literally fight talking about you know what this country is founded on it's like the fact that kids would go to school like that was something Mm -hmm. that was given mm-hmm. um not given as in given it was like a given um and so it, it's it's really frustrating um like you mentioned you know now they're trying to say that if you if you're if your citizen children received any type of of benefit from yeah the, not the, even the, you right right not you yeah. your citizen children who are entitled to that frankly mm-hmm. um that they use it now you're not going to be able to become a citizen and it's like but you're a legal permanent resident we've been telling people since 1999 yes go use these services because you know you're like a legal permanent resident right. and now all of a sudden you and know, you're living and at the poverty level because salaries are crap right. here so what do people what, right. do, what what are they supposed to do right so then people are using this and now all of a sudden we're saying by the way all of you who use the services, you can't become citizens anymore. And it's it's horrible because it's like you're playing this this game with people. It's literally you a are. game. Yeah. Um and, and totally. as I as I was saying about the social security, you know, I can't ever claim 
I mean, I hope one day I'll be able to. Yeah. But at this moment, right now, I can't claim my social security. My right. dad can't, even though he's been working here since 1989 and paying taxes. Because again, people say we don't pay taxes, but we all get an ITIN number. And also, for a long time, uh, people were given valid social security. Everybody's like, oh, they right, all right. steal identities. No, for a long time, INS, which is what a lot of people still like to call it, but INS back in the day used to give people social security numbers. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it was like, here, while you're waiting... right um and so people have been paying taxes forever um and so like people like my dad if he ever retires which you know right now is looking really difficult if he ever retires he cannot touch that social security somebody else is going to get his social security number but then those are the people that are like oh well they're horrible and they should not leave my country it's like but we're literally supplying your social security number because we make an excess Basically, that money doesn't go anywhere, mm-hmm. so it's being spent on somebody. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's frustrating. It's um, it's a lot of misinformation. It's a lot of people not understanding. But I think it's because they they get emotional about it. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, well, you don't belong here. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, I always laugh because I have a lot of people that always tell me, well, you know, I have this one friend, right? They're like, oh, everybody should leave, all these bad people. Blah. Like, well, my one friend, he's a good immigrant. He should stay here. And I'm like... I don't understand how you can think that about one person and I don't understand that it's multiplied by millions of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's always, I don't know, it's always interesting to have those conversations. Well, the economic impact alone from immigrants, I mean, even if we want to get specific with Southern Nevada, I mean, the immigrants that are, I mean, I think sales tax is always, and I have a whole rant on libertarians that I believe they're the ones that should opt out of like fire and police coverage because they don't vote, they don't want taxes. Mm -hmm. But it's like, there's so much money that immigrants are putting into, I mean, sales taxes in Nevada, that's the tax that we all pay. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you buy something, you pay sales tax. And it's like, it's ridiculous. Like we, I mean, we already struggle with having enough money for, for anything in Southern Nevada. If we were to take the immigrant, like, I mean, and I don't think it would be possible to get, I mean, I don't want any of the immigrants leaving, but like, even if it were possible to get people that were undocumented out of Southern Nevada, like that would have such a negative economic impact on our, on our community that we would never recover. Well, and when you think about it, you know, DACA is one program. There's a lot of programs like DACA, right. um, TPS, Temporary Protective Status, mm-hmm. um, which is given to 10 countries uh, right. because of, you know, disaster or war or whatever was happening in their home countries here in nevada um our casino industry employs six thousand people with tps um the majority of our tps recipients um yeah i'm pretty sure every country at this point now um president trump's administration has ended the program right yeah Yeah. Um, i'm trying to think of which one's stuck and I, i can't think of any so um is there any left? Yeah, no, I was just going to the hellhole <laughs> country comment. But yeah, right, I, I right. don't think there's any. But I don't think any no. countries left on the on the list of no, 10. No. no, I don't um, think so. And those 10 countries, um, you know, we have 6,000 employees in the casino industry alone that wow. benefit from it. Casino industry, which is kind of what keeps us alive just a little yeah, bit. a little bit. Um, so once that happens, once their temporary status like ours, DACA, um, ends because they also have one final renewal left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe the, the last renewal for El Salvador was in March, I believe. Don't take me um, my word on that mm-hmm. one. Um, but I'm pretty sure the last one was in March. So what's going to happen after those two years? Right. Um, you know, it's 
it's debilitating. It's going to be, you know, right now it seems like a great idea. Get rid of all of them. It's like, no, you know, it's not going to be a good idea when you realize the economic impact that we have. Right. And even that 6,000, I mean, they're, they have families and maybe children and there's so many more people. It's not just 6,000 people. It's 6,000 families, which, correct. you know, and even if one of the, if any of those, the folks that are there are citizens, it's still like, mm-hmm. I mean, if I were in that situation, I wouldn't want someone that I was in a relationship or married to or had a child, like, like I would go with them. I'd be like, well, I'm not going to be separated from you. Right. So that that's. And that's huge, thing that, like, huge. You, you think about it like, you know, you always talk about like the opportunity gap and right. Like how do you get out of, you know, low income, blah, blah, um, much more important, but I'm not going to go into it. Um, <laughs> but like for me, you know, I never imagined that I was going to have a social security. Like, honestly, I couldn't ever say I was going to have a social security number. So now that I'm working, like I said, I have a car, like I contribute to, um, to my family's, uh, expenses, like right. something that I never imagined I could do. Um, and so there's people like me that are literally the only ones sustaining their families. Mm-hmm. This is families of five, six people, three, four, whatever it may be. But these people with work permits are sustaining it because the rest of the family is either having to work for very low income or, you know, just scraping by on whatever it is that they can make. So now you're going to take away the one breadwinner, uh, main breadwinner, right? I think right. everybody's everybody's kind of out there hustling for, for their their uh their money but um you take away the one main winner breadwinner who's legally working Mm -hmm. uh you know i I don't think people understand the fact of legally working um it makes a difference the types of jobs you can get it makes a difference when you're legally working and you're able to you know say i can get insurance again we don't qualify for obamacare document people daca whatever it is we don't qualify um, now we can get insurance through our employers and all that, but we don't qualify for the other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so it really, you know, having, it wasn't until I got DACA that I really went to like a doctor. Like it, wow. it's all these opportunities and all these things that I had never had mm-hmm. um, that you finally have. Um, and now, you know, when you start saving up, you're like, now I'm going to take my parents to the doctor. Things that, again, you never had. So it really is a life changer. But not just for me, it's for my entire family. And now you're taking it away. Mm-hmm. Well, you've taken that away technically. So Esther, let me let me ask you a question. Because a lot of people, a lot of critics of uh, the DACA program say, yes, okay, these kids, they were brought to this country. Their parents brought them, right? But they didn't make the decision to come here. You were all very young. But we're paying for what your parents did and they're saying that you jumped in front of the line there's a long line of people that are waiting you know have been waiting you know 10 15 20 years they went through the proper proper process why why are you benefiting these chill these kids in particular i mean we're not jumping anybody in line i i think once people understand i think it's like a hundred and something different types of visas um petitions things that you can get uh but again it's very difficult if you're coming from low-income countries Mm -hmm. i I think we have to touch on that most most importantly um there is a quota per countries um and so countries that the majority of us come from are the ones with those quotas Mm -hmm. um so you know (laughs) i i always laugh because people are like well if you would have just done it the right way i'm like had i done it the right way i still would be in the queue waiting Right. I would have aged out at this point, um, you know, because there's still I think 
Last I checked the visa bulletin for like a family member, they're in like 1995 for Mexico. People wow. from Mexico that applied in 1995. Yeah. For, for barely like, For like siblings and, and for different, again, different categories. Right. Um, wow. But, you know, and, and you age out after 21. So like had my parents applied and then I would have had a kid or I would have gotten married, I would be disqualified. So then, you know, we have to look at those things. We can't just mm-hmm. say, oh, everything's horrible, but everything over here, we're just going to keep the same. Mm-hmm. There has to be a way to look at it, which was what comprehensive immigration reform, I think, ultimately is what we need to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I, right? Saying comprehensive immigration reform is like a really big word, but I think we need to look at like the three to 10 year bar. Three to 10 year bar um, means that people who enter the country illegally are punished for having lived here for more than a year without documents, which sounds great and dandy, right? But then that means that if you have somebody that you can adjust through, like say that, um, you know, as a dreamer who entered the country without documents, I was to get married to a citizen, mm-hmm. right? Just say that, that I'm married to a citizen because I have lived here for 365 days um, after the age of 18, right? When I'm, when I'm an adult, um, I have to pay a penalty of going back to my country for three to 10 years. Mm-hmm. So even if I married a citizen, I entered the country without documentation. So then I have to go back and I, you know, I know that there's a, uh, there's rules and all that. So I've never met anybody that got the three year. It's mm-hmm. always the 10 year. Right. So right now, if I was to marry a citizen, um, and I was to say, all right, well, I entered the country without documents, so I'm still going to apply. I would have to go back to Mexico for 10 years. So when people are like, oh, you know, just wait in line. It's like, so now I have to go back for 10 years because the law is written to deter. You right. know, I'm like, clearly it's not deterring anybody. Right. I, saw, I read a report this morning that was like, you know, border crossings are an all time low for this year. Right. And they said, and it's because, you know, because parents, you know, are afraid to bring their kids because Trump's going to take them away. I'm like, no, it's really hot. Like Mm -hmm. every single summer, the amount of border crossings goes down. You know, you can look at whatever statistic you want. It's hot. You're not going to cross the desert in 120 degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people are like, Oh, it's because of the kids. And I'm like, no, if you want a better life, and you are literally willing to put your kid on your back and cross a desert and risk both of you dying, it's because wherever you're leaving from is that Mm. bad. So I don't care what people are saying about, you know, oh, it's deterred. Oh, it's, you know, no, people are still going to search for a better life. Right. You know, I I had a class and I remember that um, there was this, there was this anti, anti, he wasn't, I don't even know what he was. Um, He just said that, you know, Mexicans shouldn't be coming here. And, uh, you know, we, we did a really cool presenta- uh, presentation in class where they asked him and they said, you know, where did your family come from? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Ohio. And, they, and the, I remember the professor said, well, why did they come here? Oh, because my dad got a job and there was better jobs here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, literally. Right. <laughs> imagine if you had to ask for permission <laughs> to move from Ohio to Nevada mm-hmm. and they wouldn't give it to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people were like, no, well, that's different because it's America. And I'm like. But do you understand that your parents, when you were whatever age he said he was, they left Ohio Mm -hmm. because they said there's better jobs in Nevada. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's all we did. It's just that I look different. 
right? right. Everybody in this country except Native Americans, and it yeah. did that at the that, end of the day. That is the that is actually the best analogy that I've heard so far. That is because it. I mean, it is so true. Obviously, like there there are country borders, and we won't get into how I feel about country borders <laughs> at the moment. But I mean, that is exactly the same thing. It's like people move here from the Midwest because there are better jobs here. Yeah, and. That's because it's they the parents realize it's better opportunities. How can we fault anyone for thinking there's better opportunities somewhere else and moving there? There's no, there's there's no reason to fault it. Does I mean if you're moving somewhere because there's better opportunities, like, duh, like I'm not a parent, but yeah, I would think that that would be a really yeah. The only thing difference is if you're moving here from Ohio, you get a U-Haul. And you pack right. it up and, you know, you put Sparky in the back seat, and you drive here. Mm-hmm. The difference is I had to cross a river on right. a raft. Like, it's it's literally that's the difference. Yes, ignoring the border. Right, right, yeah. Both, right? That's but, a bigger conversation. But when you think about it, all I did, like, you know, uh, my nephew's really into dinosaurs. And uh, I'm watching some of the shows with him and watching, like, dinosaurs migrate right Mm -hmm. and i'm like literally forever migration is just part of part of nature right you migrate to where it's better right like Mm -hmm. i said he's watching this this show and they said that they were migrating because there was more animals for them to eat somewhere else or or leaves whatever they were i don't even know dinosaurs um well and the concept of uh criminalizing it had really it's a novel idea it's in the right. last 10, 15 years, correct? I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it was a civil. It was a civil matter. Now it's being penalized, right? And, and it's all. It's still a civil matter. Um, mm-hmm. At this moment, you know, when people are like, "Well, you still committed a crime," I'm like, "Well, technically, it's a civil matter." But yeah, I, I mean, when the big the big issue, you know, was from the fifties over fifties till now because. You know, it was a lot of Mexicans. Mm-hmm. You know, it started with with the Bracero program in the fifties, where we needed workers because we started war. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at war. I'm sorry. Um, we started it right. No, we didn't. No, we not, not that one. Not that one. Um, no. Yeah, but we were in um, war. We were in a <laughs> we war. We were in a war. after yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we needed we needed workers. And then when we were done with the workers, and we said, "All right, everybody has to go back." Yeah. And literally, that's when it started, and just now it's become a big crime, and um, it's really horrible. Well, thank you so much. This has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. Uh, my name is Jacob. I'm here with Allison Yanez. Who else is in the studio with us today? We are Allison. accompanied by our producer, Jose Sotelo. And our research assistants and fact checker, Ashley Pacheco. And creative design by Bertita Gutierrez. Let's not forget the Concha Queen. We've got Raven. In the house. She did not eat any conchas or chicken tonight that we're aware of. No. Yet. So that's that's good. That's that. Please make sure to uh, rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Five stars, por favor. Appreciate it. Any reviews that you can leave that are positive and... uh, Allison didn't cuss today, Allison's mom, so you're welcome. I behaved giddy up. Oh, yeah.